Welcome to What She Said on 105.9 The Region. I'm your host, Candace Sampson. There are a lot of silly holidays that fill up our calendar year, but perhaps the one the ladies might find the oddest is National Laundry Day that falls on April 15th. Apparently, it's an opportunity to assess our laundry habits and teach our children to develop good ones. I don't know about you, but pretty much every day is laundry day in my house and I'm going to pass and in fact go against the grain and make the 15th of April no laundry day. And I hope you'll join me. So leave the hamper in the closet, leave the ironing board where it is and join me for the next hour for the things that really matter. Here's what's coming up. How did our federal budget rate when it comes to climate change? Lisa Gu, National Director of Policy with the Suzuki Foundation, joins me to discuss how much progress this year's budget has made toward a clean economy and if it will be enough. Allie Payne is here to answer the age-old question parents everywhere ask of their teens, why are you not living up to your potential? As always, Ali has a fresh look on how to approach this with your teen and tips on how you can achieve better communication with your teen so that you can actually let that question go for good. Ann Brody is here with New Entertainment, and this week we take a look at the Palme d'Or-nominated film Showing Up, starring Academy Award nominees Michelle Williams and Hong Chow. Sophie Jarvis's feature debut Until Branches Bend is an ambitious marriage of eco-responsibility in the face of corporate disinformation. And Mrs. Maisel's manager, Susie, played by Alex Borstein, is ballsy, loud, and sharp-witted, and so is Alex Borstein in Meet Alex Borstein, Corsets and Clown Suits, available on Prime this week. AI is advancing at such a rapid rate that it is leaving not only people, but the institutions and businesses they work in playing catch-up. Many small businesses, for example, have not likely drafted an AI policy for their workers or contractors they work with, and that puts them at risk. Cat Code from Binary Tat joins me to share what exactly the consequences are if you don't have an AI policy in place and what you should consider when drafting one up. Finally, April Aileen's music is charged with charisma and passion. A fan favorite at music festivals worldwide, April transcends genres creating her own undefinable sound with influences coming from pop, rock, electronic, folk, and R&B. She joins me today to catch us up on all she's been doing before we play her new single, Catch Me, in its entirety for you. It's another full week at What She Said with interviews that empower, educate, and entertain. So let's jump in right now on 105.9 The Region. Canada's federal budget was just passed, and in addition to expanded dental care, investments in Indigenous housing, and programs to address the ongoing opioid crisis, a clean economy was given top priority. Over the next six years, $20 billion has been set aside in tax credits to promote investment in green technologies. Is that enough? Will it make a big enough difference? Lisa Gu is manager of national policy at the David Suzuki Foundation and joins me today to break it down. Welcome to What She Said, Lisa. Thank you for having me. So can you share your thoughts on 
the huge investment in clean electricity that was in this federal budget and how will it impact Canada's position as a global leader in the clean economy? Absolutely. Well, this was a very significant budget for climate action in Canada, and it needed to be. Um, The most recent science report from the United Nations on climate change just came out um, a few weeks ago and underscored yet again that we are headed towards a tipping point. Um, We simply cannot uh, delay climate action, um, and the costs of action will become more and more expensive. So very timely then that this year's federal budget does propose a significant investment in clean electricity and clean clean technology uh, manufacturing. These are actually two separate tax credits, um, and I want to break that down a little bit for you. About half of that amount, it it could be considered, um, yeah, like half of the total budget spend is in the on the clean electricity side and as you said this is largely being delivered through a tax credit that will allow utilities for example to, that are um, setting up doing what's needed to really bring Canada's electric grid to 100% renewable electricity by uh, 2035 to access a 15% tax credit um, and we hope that that will be really significant. Already these forms of, um, already renewable energy are, are com- is competitive. We see uh, costs going down while costs of fossil fuel have been um, all over the map and generally higher as anybody filling up their tank knows in uh, the past couple of years. And, and the other side of that, so not only do we need to shift away from fossil fuels um, and rapidly accelerate uh, renewable energies on the grid, we also can expect that the electrification of other of other uh, sectors of the economy, and I and I just mentioned, um, you know, filling up cars with gas. I mean, that's going to shift. That needs to shift. We need to move away from internal combustion engines and, and towards other forms of tran- transportation, including electric electric vehicles. And that will increase. You know, we can expect that in many parts of the country, that's going to increase demand for. Um, electricity as well. So this is also about building the grid of the future that's capable of uh, as positioning Canada to be a leader uh, in a green in a green and clean economy. So uh, yes, very timely. Uh, well, a couple of things that we saw as important in the announcement was that the that although this is being delivered as a tax credit, non-tax entities are eligible. That was a bit of a concern. Um, the finance minister had signaled that she was looking to uh, at what the U.S. has done, and, and they have last summer um, adopted a very broad uh, tax package offering these kinds of tax incentives for green technologies and electricities. And a concern that we had was that many of the major players in Canada are actually non-tax entities. So if you think of public utilities, for example. Right. Um, so what good does a tax credit do? But uh, significantly, it would, the budget did indicate that this is a refundable tax credit and that non-taxable entities will be eligible to still claim the credit. Um, so that's really important. There is more that needs to be done um, that maybe a tax credit isn't, you know, like we need to, we need to broaden. I, there was some direct spending in, in the budget for clean electricity as well, but we probably need to see more of that in future years. For example, for grid modernization uh, to address energy poverty situations. Um, so the tax credit is really important and there's going to be more that needs to be done. So here's what I don't understand, though. We've we've invested now all this money into clean energy, a clean economy, which we understand is important. That's clear. But the budget still 
is publicly financing the fossil fuel industry. Does that not feel a little bit like cutting off your nose to spite your face? This is doesn't make sense. Yes, absolutely. This budget failed to make significant pro- well, failed to make progress on Canada's commitment to end fossil fuel subsidies. I completely agree that simply does not make sense. Even worse, um, the this new clean electricity uh, tax credit, as important as it is, has one major design flaw, and that is that it extends the budget specifies that natural gas facilities, new natural gas facilities, uh, if coupled with carbon capture and storage technologies, will be eligible for this tax credit. And that's simply, you know, that's simply wrongheaded. We can't like, we know that fossil fuels are driving the climate crisis. We know that the future of, um, you know, powering the future is not going to be done by fossil fuels. So there's a transition period that's needed that, you know, we're, that's in front of us right now, for sure. But our public investments should not be going to incent the 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 establishment of new natural gas uh, facilities. That's completely that, that was a very surprising, disappointing aspect of 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 an otherwise good news story, I think. So that's for sure a problem. Like climate policy has to to be effective has to be broader than the budget. The budget's a very important piece of it. Canada needs to do more to end fossil fuel subsidies, and there will be additional investments needed. Um, and, you know, every year's budget needs to be a climate budget, essentially. Um, but we also can't forget the importance of the regulatory side. Um, and here the government has committed, actually, to bringing in a, what they're calling a clean electricity regulation. And um, they've promised that, like, the commitment is that this will be a regulation that requires all electricity generation to be uh, net zero by 2035. And we're still waiting for the uh, for the regulation to be published, the draft regulation to be published for comment and then finalized. That needs to happen very soon. Uh, the government has committed to having that regulation in place by the end of the year. So, the dra- you know, we are expecting the draft uh, in the, com- like, hopefully in the coming uh, coming weeks or months. Um, and it will be keeping a close eye out for what that regular, like what the detail there is on natural gas, um, because as much as the fossil fuel industry has tried to uh, kind of sell us natural gas as a clean alternative to coal, and surely we do need to get rid of, you know, coal is, is, you know, definitely needs to be on its way out. We've already got a regulation in place to that effect. Um, gas is not like, you know, gas is not the solution that we're, we're looking for um, and ultimately won't be, uh, you know, won't be the answer to, to climate change and doesn't need to be is the other thing I should add. Um, the David Suzuki Foundation has um, uh, published a study last year looking at uh, pathways to achieve that 100% net zero, 100% zero emissions grid by 2035. And um, the analysis uh, shows that it is possible to meet Canada's electricity needs with um, by boosting renewables. We don't need recourse to to uh, to natural gas. We don't need fossil fuels on our grid. So certainly, any uh, you know these, we will be looking to the regula- regulations to sort of correct for this uh, confusing signal in the budget and um, ensure that that we're giving utilities the right signal that this is not the time to be investing in natural gas production. This is the time to be phasing rapidly phasing excel- phasing out fossil fuels, accelerating the phase out of fossil fuels and the shift to renewables. So we have about thirty seconds left. Was there anything else in the budget though that was a positive for our environment and the climate? 
Yes, in fact, uh, we're happy. We, there, we're happy to see also the uh, clean manufacturing tax credit that offers again a an, an, uh, tax credit to manufacturing facilities, including um, including some grid scale electricity storage solutions that will be part of a renewable energy mix. Again, some troubling details in terms of other things included in that for uh, eligible for that tax credit, including uh, nuclear, for example. Um, that we consider a dangerous distraction from the real um, need to invest in, um, in renewable energy. Also happy to see the government taking steps or announcing steps for what's called um, contract for difference, which is a which is a, basically a guarantee on the on carbon pricing going forward, so that companies can invest in clean technology, knowing that the price on carbon it will uh, continue into the future. Uh, there, the budget announced consultations, and we'll be looking on the. You know, again, there's some uh, important details that we'll, to get right to make sure that has maximum advantage. But that security in the price of carbon is uh, very important. Uh, is going to be a very important uh, part of the piece of the puzzle as well. Okay, the David Suzuki Foundation, I'm sure, has done a deep dive on this budget on everything that's in there. And uh, where can people find out more about how you are looking at it and how they can get involved? Yeah, please uh, come visit our website at davidsuzuki.org and in, look at our work on clean electricity and our and the opportunities, the ac- uh, take action section of our website. Also, make some suggestions for letter writing campaigns that we see as critical for the next pieces looking to the important uh, climate regulations that will uh, complement the budget investments and ensure Canada stays on track to to uh, achieve zero emissions electricity. All right, incredible. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you. From Seneca to Cahoga Falls City More with Candace Sampson and what she said coming up on 105.9 The Region. Welcome back to What She Said with Candace Sampson on 105.9 The Region. Payne, what she says expert on the parent-teen relationship is back and this week we're taking a look at a complaint parents have had for generations. Why aren't my teens living up to their potential? Why do we get so invested in this question? Who decides what the potential is and how can we not fall into this mindset in the first place are the questions we're all looking for and thankfully (laughs) Allie has them. (laughs) Welcome back Allie. Thanks for having me. I love this topic. (laughs) Well I feel like this was something my parents said to me, their parents said to them. I mean, it's it's just generational. So let's break the cycle. Why or how do parents' expectations and the language they use impact their teen self-esteem? Yeah, so that's a great start. So first of all, the living up to the potential um, is a shaming message for your teen because it is a message that reinforces how they are failing you. And further to that, They are failing a probability that you have determined for their life the way that you as an adult would use all of their opportunities that you have busted your butt to give them, the way that you would use as an adult all of their talents, skills, and inherent strengths, 
and they are not doing that. And you've already drawn this line out in the future using this crystal ball that you have of the life they're going to live. And it becomes parenting and our children has become existential. So our children are a reflection of us. And when they fall short of that, we get very resentful and frustrated with how they are not doing with their life as we would do if we were them which inherently right there is the problem because you're not them. And as far as I know, that crystal ball you have, it's probably just a snow globe you didn't put away at Christmas. Yeah. And I think all of this, you know, even just broadly raising teenagers, there's that always that ongoing, I, I want to say conflict, but I think this it's, that's the wrong word, but this ongoing growth period where your teen is establishing their own identity and moving away from you as they should and yes. parents are you know holding on for dear life don't leave me and it all sort of falls into that uh struggle that ongoing struggle so what advice would you give to parents how do you establish what is that potential right that you think they're they're failing or not meeting and right. how do you reframe it okay so um when you are saying to your teenager, you're falling short of your potential or teachers are saying it to your, I had both of that. I had parents and teachers saying it to me um, that again, it's a shaming message that it's a downward pressure on how your teenager is not doing something. Now, anytime we've proven psychologically negative reinforcement, consistent negative reinforcement actually is demotivating. So I promise you, you'll just get more of the same. Upward pressure, uplifting, is about noticing what your team is doing. Like you're constantly pointing out where they're falling short. Look, look, come over here. It's really sparkly. You should do this. This is how where you could be, where you should be. Wouldn't it be amazing based on your experience of life? But they're like, excuse me, but aren't you seeing what I am doing? And the, so long as you don't see what they are doing, you're creating more disconnection. Uh, and actually it erodes their self-esteem and confidence. I'm not gonna play it light. So upward lifting up from the bottom is about affirming and acknowledging what they are doing, affirming and acknowledging their their strengths and, and character traits, not, not performance-based, not what they do with it because they're not you. They're figuring out how to be them. It's gonna be messy, it's gonna be wrong. And um, letting put away your snow globe, because you have absolutely no scientific data that says they will hit that trajectory. In fact, if you think of all the things that happened in your life, how many of them were linear and exactly what your parents thought would happen? How many of them were plot twists? How many of them were side steps? How many of them were 10 steps back? Yet here you are an almost employable human being who actually has a social life friends and some probably really hysterical rich stories of your life because it wasn't what your parents thought am i where my parents i don't know but it's been a lot of plot twisting your teenager's life is no different and it's supposed to be that way so this is about coming alongside them and saying i love you for who you are this isn't about what you what you achieve in this lifetime this is about me helping you see your greatness not because i'm constantly telling you you're falling short of that greatness but because i will believe it even when you can't i will be with you even when the results don't show up and we go okay interesting plot twist now what 
I will be beside you as you figure out your life. Now, the first thing almost every parent, I know that you, I just heard you say it. So I do what? So I just let them fail. So I yeah. just let them fail. No, that's not what I said. What I said is you go check your snow globe that belongs in the Christmas box. That is not a way of telling the future. You do not have control over, and it is almost egotistical to believe that you have control over who your child becomes, because that is a one-way trip to resentment, judgment, disappointment, and disconnection. Yeah, and control is a way of making you feel like the world is not falling apart on you. It's it's a very personal thing when you need to control every aspect of it. So I really love how you encourage open communication between parents and teens. And on this topic in particular, I feel parents really are going to want to know more on how they can change that back and forth with their teens. So that defensiveness is not always yes. there on both yeah. sides. So yeah. How can people uh, keep up with you? You have a master class coming up, right? I do, yes. Um, I've sent you the link. It's in the link in my profile in TikTok and uh, Instagram. You can find me at Ali Payne on both of those or my website, AliPayne.com. There's a big banner at the top. You can click on that and grab that master class. All right, incredible. Ali, thanks so much. We'll see you next month. Thank you. Brody is here for Saturday night at the movies and and you and I just got off a nice week's holiday <laughs> so we're raring to go today tell me what's coming up in entertainment this week well it's an, an interesting week for sure um opening with Michelle Williams and Hong Chow who's so popular these days in Kelly Reichardt's um film showing up which is her fourth collaboration with Michelle Williams and there uh, Wendy and Lucy was one of them which really uh, was a runaway hit the year it came out. Just a story about a woman and her dog wandering America. Anyway, so they've got this real symbiosis together. She plays a sculptor who has a show coming up, but she can't get her act together because she's got all these personal issues she's dealing with. But it, you know, it's rich. It's it's full of their chemistry, the director and, and Williams and uh, a must-see. Michelle Williams is such an understated actress she she really just brings such believability to every role she's in yeah with the exception of the fablemans i didn't buy that (laughs) (laughs) all right well that's another story so let tell me about until branches bend yeah that's the sophie sophie jarvis uh made this film in the okanagan valley in peach growing country and it covers a lot. It's it's about um, indigenous issues and a ruinous insect invasion to the peaches, um, a campaign against a girl who discovered it, uh, unwanted pregnancy, and two sisters who've really had no guidance lighting up. So there's an awful lot to unpack in it. But basically, the elder of the two sisters, they've totally raised themselves, no parents in the picture. Um, she's a peach grader. So one day she finds, she's alone when this happens. She finds a peach that doesn't look good. She opens it up and it's absolutely rotten. She sees an insect she's never seen before. She takes it to her boss. He tells her not to tell anybody. Uh, second boss tells her not to tell anybody. 
And by then, she, her conscience gets to her. She goes to a research center, and that person blows the lid on an insect invasion that could ruin the harvest. So, lot going on here. Um, and it's at the Review Cinema in Toronto, and then in select theaters across Canada. Uh, it's interesting. It's it's tough. It's tough to watch. All right. This next one, I had no idea, but I just started watching Mrs. Maisel, and I am loving that show. I've I've oh, yeah. just tore through every <laughs> season, and can't wait for the next season. But Alex Borstein is in it, and when I saw her name Easy, in yeah. in your roundup this week, I was so delighted because she is so funny. Oh my god, she's so smart. I think she's one of the better educated more intelligent comics out there. She is just a force of nature. Now she's Susie in the show and Susie's not terribly feminine. (laughs) That's the word I'm trying to say. She's, she's tough and aggressive. And in, she kind of puts that to rights in this special Alex Bornstein uh, corsets and clown suits. She, she presents herself as very feminine um, and is a divorced mother of, of two, but she still has that, searing wit and the thing she's saying would turn your face blue and her parents are in the front row of the theater (laughs) so it's it's just you know a family thing (laughs) that's actually what made me laugh a little bit was because in mrs mazel that happens too where she's up on stage and she's doing this act in front of her parents and i thought i wonder if they got that idea from alex borstein uh so i'm totally going to go down a rabbit hole now learning more about her because i just think she is so funny oh god Uh, i love it so that's on prime right uh yes it is and i must mention these two uh musical mentors who are going to be with her eric mills and salva ray they're very much a part of the little trio that that is on the stage so watch for them all right and you got a little tiny bit of horror this week with Leta. (laughs) tell me about it i said to the publicist we don't do horror and he said well that's a strong word so i i gave in <laughs> as I want to do and uh, it's Leda it's a reimagining of the Greek myth uh, do you remember the the woman who was impregnated by a swan um, so and it's set in what looks like a southern U.S. plantation abandoned except for her she lives in the house her father died in a hunting accident her mother had tuberculosis so it's very it's what I call really wafty like she's wearing these flowing white gowns it's all in black and white and there's no words in it um and she just floats around the plantation and gets in the water but then it really gets to you it gets under your skin um and i must say it's a very clever and unusual way to make a film uh very much worth watching and it's on dvd or tvod uh by samuel tressler the fourth all right, excellent. So you've got these and more on what she said talk.com and we will see you next week. We'll see you next week. Thanks, Anne. You may ask me where it's going, but I can't even find the hole in the bottle wine. She has abused her system and she's paid for it. More with Candace Sampson and what she said coming up on 1059 The Region. Welcome back to What She Said with Candace Sampson on 105.9 The Region.
hard to believe that it's only been three months since ChatGPT came bursting onto the scene. In that time, AI has caused major disruptions at school and work, with some suggesting that things will be unrecognizable in most of our institutions and workplaces within months. If you're a business owner and haven't developed a workplace policy on AI, the best time to do that was December, and the second best time is immediately following this interview. Kat Code is the founder of Binary Tat and is committed to protecting your data. She joins me today with a message every business owner needs to listen to when it comes to AI. Welcome back to what she said, Kat. Thank you so much for having me. I feel like we're going to be talking a lot as AI continues to evolve very, very quickly. But when it comes to the workplace, what are the, some of the key privacy concerns that companies should be aware of? No, absolutely. All right. So ChatGPT is an open AI, which means anybody can use it and anybody can put information in it. But it also means anyone can take information out of it. So if you are putting business information and in, you're essentially putting your business information into a repository for other people to access. And I think it's important too that we clarify right now that a second, it's not just chat GPT. That's like saying, you know, facial tissue is Kleenex. Like it's, it's, the, there's lots of versions of that sort of open AI out there. Yes, there are many versions. I mean, BARD is the new one that was just released as well that you can use. Um, it's it's just to say we don't want to lump all AI into the same bucket. You can buy a tool for your company that uses AI or artificial intelligence to make decisions on behalf of your company. You can you can buy AI for chatbots so that you know when someone comes to your website and wants to ask a question, it uses AI to get them the answer. There are lots of different ways to use AI safely. The issue we have with this kind of AI, which is generative AI, which is the G from GPT, is the fact that we are creating data by having so many people add into it. And so again, if you're adding into it, you can also take out of it. So you mentioned that there are three crucial aspects that should be included in a company policy to control the use of public AI tools. So can you elaborate on what those are and, and maybe provide some examples? Yeah, absolutely. So the, the first and foremost is no personal information. So that's, it's, you shouldn't be putting any, anyone's personal information in there. Um, an easy way to imagine this is imagine your friend who has their address book with your information in it decides to use ChatGPT to organize everything for them to say who lives the closest to them and who lives the farthest. Well, now they have input your address into ChatGPT. So now ChatGPT has this information about you, uh, which you did not consent to give it. Um, so as a company, when we collect data on behalf of individuals, we are responsible and accountable for that data. We have to ensure that that data is protected and putting it into any kind of open AI system is not protecting that information. So that, that breaches any kind of privacy regulation we have, but it also puts our users at risk. So we do not want to put any kind of personal information belonging to any of your clients, patients, customers into any of these systems. So it's not, you know, it's easy to say, okay, here is our company policy, but how do you enforce that? How do you make sure that employees are following that policy? 
Yes. So a lot of it is going to be about education. I mean, the ultimate thing here is to for people to better understand that you are adding. It's it's like those bowls they used to have at bars where they said, "Hey, throw your business card in." That's what you're doing. You're throwing your business card into a public bowl, and everyone can fish it out. Um, so it's it's really going to be about everyone understanding that whatever you add in gets added everywhere. So this is not a trusted entity. Just because you're behind your computer screen at home doesn't mean that it's not taking that data. We had that originally with Google. People would Google everything under the sun and then all of a sudden there was this awareness that, oh, if I'm Googling medical ailments, Google's actually tracking that and they actually know what I'm searching. So we're, we will get to the point where people realize, oh, wait a minute, I can't just put anyone's data in here. Um, that could actually be a potential breach of me extending that data because I'm putting it in a public location. Um, the, so that's the first rule. So the first rule is is individuals' data, and that should be either employees or or customers, really. Um, the second one is company confidential data. So we've already seen people go, hey, you know that report I was trying to write on all of our finances? Well, I found a really quick way to do it. I put it in ChatGPT, and it spat it out for me in this beautiful way. Uh, so we're seeing people put company confidential data, company numbers, projections, all sorts of things into ChatGPT in order to better organize the thoughts around that. And you and I spoke recently on this and we talked about how it was a great tool to organize thoughts. It's a great tool to say, hey, can you read this article for me and summarize it or make an executive summary or make a post about it. So imagine the applications for people that are sitting there going, oh, I've got a 25 page report that I need to present to the executives. How am I going to summarize this? Chat GPT. Exactly. So, yeah. That's the second one. And then the last rule is to ensure that anyone else you're working with is also doing the same. So we all have vendors we work with. Easy example would be an accountant. So I don't want my accountant deciding to throw all of my tax information into ChatGPT because it makes their life easier. So we now need to make sure we have a downstream effect. So we are collecting data, data about individuals and employees. We are looking at company data, and then we are also looking at who we hand that data to. That is really interesting. I had actually not thought of that before to ask companies I'm providing my information to what they do with it and if they will use it in AI. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back with Cat Code with more on preparing your business for AI. More with Candace Sampson and what she said coming up on 1059 The Region. Welcome back to What She Said with Candace Sampson on 1059 The Region. Okay, we're back with Cat Code from Binary Tat, and we're discussing preparing your business for use of AI responsibly. Cat, I feel like you're one of those people who likely reads the entire terms of service on anything you signed up for. <laughs> I do, I do. <laughs> so tell me then, what are some of the real consequences of you know not controlling your company's AI policy? 
Oh, so I mean, in, the, the real risk of harm is to the individuals or to the company who have lost the data. Um, like we we are looking more now at fines for doing this. Um, both Italy and now Germany are looking to fine companies for using ChatGPT because it breaches their privacy regulations because you do not have permission to put individuals' data into that engine. So if you are taking someone's data, like if I order something from Nike, I assume Nike is not putting my address, financial information and name into ChatGPT. And if they did, I would say, hey, wait a minute, I didn't give you permission to do that. Uh, so some of these regulators are starting to find companies or they will be finding companies because they are starting to ban it. So from a financial perspective, because a lot of companies are like, yeah, I don't really care unless it's, there's a monetary penalty. <laughs> There may actually be one, um, but it, it will come down to either, again, confidential information that gets out that could compromise the company's success or the company's um, new products that are coming out, or it could come down to a privacy breach where information is leaked because someone has put it in there. Do you think that we, as a society, are reacting quick enough to what's happening no, and so the, the analogy I have recently used is it's like a microwave. Um, do, how many people do you know who know how a microwave actually works? We just assume it's technology. We stick stuff in it and other things come out and then we're just really happy with it. Uh, that's, this is not a microwave. So we have this approach like, I don't know how my phone works. It just works. I don't know how email, like how many people do you know who could actually explain to you how the electronic message from your phone gets to another phone. Like very few people, we just kind of take it for granted and it works. So when, when ChatGTP certainly hit the scene, everyone was just really excited about how cool it is. And because it's so user-friendly, nobody has bothered to kind of lift up the lid and see what's happening on the inside. Um, so yeah, it was, it was, we, we had, again, we had discussed it very recently. It was like, we said, you said, should we be using it? And I was like, it's too soon. It's too soon. <laughs> it's not regulated. Nobody knows how to, how to regulate it. So um, yeah, we've kind of opened the floodgates and now we don't know how to close the doors. Well, you can't unring the bell. It's out there now. There's nothing we could do about it. So now it's about managing and adapting, but we do, I think we do have to be reacting much quicker to this. So can you suggest some best practices for updating any vendor con contracts, contractor contracts, that sort of thing to be compliant with AI related policies? Absolutely. So if, if you have contracts, which you should, you should have contracts with everybody that, that you hand your information to or your company's information to, there should be clauses in there already. And if there aren't, please do add them um, that discuss how they handle your individual data. So there should be something that says, hey, you know what, even you're my accountant, I am giving you my data, you um, promise to safeguard it properly, which means you are putting the right technical safeguards, like you're not leaving it out on a desk, you you're it's in a locked laptop, like there should be some basic safeguards about how you're protecting my data. And then included in that list can be not putting them into any kind of AI engine. Um, what you can I mean, you can specify ChatGPT or BARD. But again, like you said, there will be others, this is not going to be this is the tip of the iceberg here. But uh, but certainly stipulating in there that whenever you give someone your data, they are only to use it for the purpose for which you gave it to them. And they are only to use it in tools that continue to safeguard the data with that expectation. So I want to talk about that a little bit because I feel like it's a bit of a push-pull on using ChatGPT in the workplace. A lot of people might say absolutely no use of it, which will leave them behind 
from a competitive standpoint, I feel. Uh, and then others may not care about putting guardrails in place. So what would a balance look like for, for workplaces? Yeah, and that's something else you could certainly put in a policy or in your education is like, what can we use it for? So so find ways to use it that are that are intuitive, that makes sense. Say, you know what, we've written these three articles and we want to stick them on social. They're public articles. Toss them in there. Um, actually, somebody as a joke, when I, I had posted on LinkedIn and said, you know, make sure you have a policy and someone had actually gone into chat GPT and said, write me a policy. <laughs> that protects against using AI and it did. So like creating new material is fine. It's it's adding in anything that would be deemed confidential. Um, bigger companies have what's called data classification and then they would have data that's, that's like public, private, confidential, restricted data. Um, smaller companies probably don't. You probably don't think twice about it. It's just data to you. It's just information. But if it, if it's information that's important enough for you not to share it publicly, that you wouldn't stick on your front door for people to read, then it's information that should not go in there. But but yes, there are lots of ways you could use it. You could make tools to use it, but it just shouldn't be used for anything that would be deemed confidential. All right. I feel like we're going to talk a lot in 2023 because it's only been three months and I am blown away by how far we have come with AI. I'm sure you are as well. Uh, so you're always talking about this and you you really are committed to protecting people's data. So where can they keep up with you, Kat? Um, so I am, you can find me at catcode.com um, or binarytattoo.com and I am still on Twitter <laughs> at binarytat um, and you can find me on LinkedIn as well, catcode. All right. Excellent. We're going to put all of that in the liner notes when this goes out on podcast. Thanks so much for joining me today, Kat. Thank you. Like a lightning bolt, April Aileen's music is charged with charisma and passion. Her live show consists of piano, guitar, and electronics and provides listeners with a range of emotions that leave you saturated in all the feels, wanting to dance but also contemplate life's meaning. A fan favorite at music festivals worldwide, April transcends genres, creating her own undefinable sound with influences coming from pop, rock, electronic, folk, and R&B. She joins me today to catch us all up on what she's been doing before we play her new single catch me in its entirety for you welcome back to what she said april it's a pleasure to be here oh poor you having to deal with me with this head cold today uh let's let's jump into it though because the video the song is fantastic but the video tell me a little bit about that it was really exciting um i was in the halifax harbor and had a catamaran for the day that I, you know, I love sailing. I grew up sailing as a child with my dad. And um, it just so happened it was the maiden voyage of the largest aircraft carrier in the world, the USS Gerald R. Ford. And um, we, you know, got a little close to it and they came over and the U.S. Navy had their, you know, their artillery aboard their vessel and they asked us how close we were getting and what we were doing. And like, I'm filming a music video. <laughs> and they, they were probably nicer to our boat than any of the boats out there that day trying to get close to the aircraft carrier. <laughs> it, was, it was amazing. 
Well, it might have been you in that red dress hanging off the edge of the boat, which I was feeling a lot of anxiety thinking she's going in. I know she's going to go in. (laughs) Well, and so part of the plan, it was actually one of the most beautiful days in autumn in Halifax. Um, I thought I'd need three layers because it was after Halloween. It was like coming up into November and it was just so unexplicably beautiful outside that I could wear the dress. And at the end of the video, the plan, you know, I was like, well, should I jump in the water? They're like, well, you know, the water, it is going to be like November 1st temperature. Like, I don't know if you really want to jump in the water, but (laughs) it's up to you. And I I thought about it, but I, I didn't end up instead of jumping in the water and getting really cold, which I don't mind doing for health benefits, um, decided to climb up the mast. And that was fun. All right. Well, uh, we're going to play Catch Me, but first tell people a little bit about the song and how um, you were inspired to write it. It started off, uh, you know, just piano, sort of a jazzy, sultry tune. And I just kind of have always felt a bit that I'm on this mission, much like James Bond, a bit of a female Bond. And, you know, in this purpose to fulfill your mission in life. Um, there's sacrifice along the way and, you know, it's, it's hard to have natural, normal relationships and things that, you know, most people have cause you're on the road touring all the time and just, you know, everything for the purpose. And, you know, it's, you can't, sometimes people don't understand. And so you, you know, I kind of wrote this song with the idea of I'm on the road. You can't catch me. You know, I can't tell you everything yet. There's some secrets when it's safe. I'll get back to you. But right now I'm, you know, full speed ahead adventure. Who knows what the next day will bring kind of uh, kind of emotion. And then I teamed up with the producer in the UK and he built that electronic hook around it. And I just, yeah, the song has become one of my favorites on the album. I love it. All right. Well, we're going to play it for listeners right now. But before we do, uh, where can people keep up with you, April, and all that you're doing? Uh, So the best place, really, it's, you know, April, A-P-R-Y-L-L, Aileen with an A, A A-I-L-E-E-N, on all platforms. Instagram, I'm really active on Instagram, uh, YouTube channel as well, and then Spotify, Apple Music, all that good stuff. So just April with a Y and two L's, Aileen with an A, and you'll find everything on there. So thank you so much. Okay, perfect. We're going to put all of those links, by the way, up in podcast when this goes live there, uh, if people want to find find all the links there. Thanks so much for joining me again, April. It was nice to see you. Nice to see you, Candice. We'll see you soon, I hope. <laughs> I say it's on my mind I only ever look behind To see how far I've come Oh, I say what I feel I got one hand up on the wheel The other on my gun I walk a lonely road Tell you what. 
Previous episodes of What She Said on 1059theregion.com.